Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for worldwide ITSM professionals. Learn more at theitsmreview.com. Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast. This is podcast number, well, it's really matter, probably 11, I think. I'm Barclay Ray, I'm your host for today, and we've got a specific topic that we're going to be talking about today in the world of IT service management. Uh, and one that's very, very current and very, very interesting, I think, for a number of reasons. Um, and we'll explore that and some practical ideas. And that's that's self-service, self-logging, self-help, all the sort of things that we can do through a portal, through an automated interface, where we don't have to necessarily, oh my goodness, phone up and speak to somebody, how terrible that is. But Automation being, you know, a, a great tool that we have at, at our disposal at the moment, and how we can develop that. And I've got three excellent guests to discuss that. First of all, from across the pond, we have Doug Terror. Doug, how are you? I'm doing well, Barkley. Thank you for having me today. Uh, you're very welcome. It's it's our pleasure, and uh, nice to speak to you. I know we've we've spoken at uh, various events, uh, usually bleary-eyed, uh, late at night in, in a bar somewhere. I know that's very unusual for me, but. Uh, yeah, me as well. I, I somehow wound up there and, yeah. Yeah, let's leave it there, shall we? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's leave it there, yes. So so just just briefly, Doug, what sort of things are you doing at the moment? Because I know you've got a sort of history of working with ITSMF and HDI and others. What's your current, what's your current thing that you're doing? Yeah, so, so I, I work for a terrible guy. I work for myself. And uh, so as an independent con- consultant, I'm helping folks take advantage of ITSM and make the best use of their IT organizations and delivering all those wonderful business outcomes that IT can do and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I enjoy doing that kind of thing. So that keeps me kind of busy. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, me too. That's, that's something that uh, keeps us all entertained. But, I mean, you, you also have links to some of the industry organizations in the States, don't you? I mean, yeah, I, as you mentioned, I, I'm the former president, one of the former presidents of ITSMF USA. I was uh, president uh, in 2012 and uh, active with the HDI organization. I'm a member of their faculty and as well as their strategic advisory board. And so it, it, it's a, you know, gratifying for me to be able to participate in both of those organizations and stay connected to the industry in large. Okay, great. Well, thanks for that. We'll we'll, uh, we'll dip into uh, all those different areas uh, as we go. Um, we also have from from across the pond, from sunny Miami, we have uh, Eddie Vidal. Uh, hi, Eddie. How are you? I'm doing great, but I'm sort of jealous because I wasn't at the bar having those conversations with you guys. Ugh, it's just rubbish we talk anyway. Don't, I wouldn't worry about it or forgettable <laughs> stuff, you know. If anybody ever remembers what they said to me or what I said to them at two o'clock in the morning in the bar, then probably not. <laughs> thinking about but um so let's just introduce you a little bit you service manager at the university of miami and uh, regional director at hdi I, I i read in front of me here tell us a little bit more about yourself eddie well i run the service desk over at the university of miami for the clinical the academic side and the technical side and uh-huh. we support about thirty-five thousand users and i've been there for a little bit more than eight years and I get all my great ideas from the organizations that I participate in, for example, HDI and ITSMF. Currently, I'm on the strategic advisory board like Doug is, and I started the South Florida local chapter. I was the president. I've been on their member advisory board, but also then on the ITSMF side, we've been doing the monthly podcast with Doug, and I've been at 
track chairs for both the HDI and Fusion Conference and have spoken there in the last couple of years. And this year I was fortunate enough to get the, the 2014 President's Award. So uh, that was an honor and a huge surprise. Well, congratulations for that. Um, good stuff. Um, not forgetting our, we, we have another we have another guest as well. He's been silent so far, and that's quite unusual, I think. Simon Kent, hi, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Barclay. Yeah, good to speak to you again. And there seems to be a bar theme running through the conversation, so uh, it just Never. made me think that <laughs> exactly. It just made me think that there's. That I'm sure there's a new app there of the virtual bar, so um, that's, that's something to start thinking about. Yeah, that's it's, sure. it's probably going to be the pub podcast from now on. I guess exactly, exactly. Um, I, I know you from working at Sherwell for over the last mm-hmm. few years, and I think you're you're out on your own. You've joined the the dark side of us consultants. Is is that right? Yeah, somewhat. Yes, I'm somewhat more of a free spirit these days, uh, like the uh, the rest of this. Uh, this motley crew that we're all together with on this podcast. So um, yeah, uh, um, out into the world of, of the free spirit, more independent, but also working very closely alongside an organization called Solitis, which is uh, a very young organization that have links to Sharewell, but are really kind of like setting out. We're, it's very early days, they're 15 months old. So we're, we're in the throes of defining, well, what is Solitus and so forth. So that's, that's an interesting activity that's going on right now. So, um, but very keen to, to speak about self-service on this podcast with you. Okay, well, good luck with that initiative. Thank you. No doubt we'll hear more of that as, as we go. We're talking about self-service. What we thought we'd like to do today is this really explore the subject and, and try and understand what the, I suppose, what the benefits are and what the issues are and some of the challenges in, in making it work, particularly because many organizations are, are having to deal with this or wanting to deal with this and, and are actually engaging with it and implementing it. Um, and many of the vendors, of course, are, are pushing a number of different uh, solutions in, in this area. So, I mean, I, I, can we kick off, please, just, just by getting some clarification as to what we think self-service actually means for, for IT service management. So, I mean, is, is, are we just talking about, you know, logging incidents and, and requests uh, through a portal or at one extreme, or, you know, are we really talking about much more of a sort of longer term relationship that, that, that has changed from just, you know, calling, calling Joe down the corridor or the guy in the service desk? What do we think of that? Doug, Doug, can you kick us off? What's your definition of self-service and why is it important at this point in time? Yeah, absolutely. So self-service, I think, is is one of those topics that that you could kind of characterize as the holy grail, something that, that we could have been doing from an ITSM perspective for some time, but it's, you know, in my opinion, widely misunderstood. I, I, I think self-service is much more than just logging your own incident. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, a, a, an organization that, that really wants to be effective with the self-service kind of approach, you know, represents, you know, a highly mature state from a service management perspective. Uh, when, when you think about it, it's, it's more than just logging incidents, but it's actually having the availability to manage your own experience. And in order to do that, you've got to have great processes behind that, not only your incident management process, but request fulfillment, your knowledge management process has to be well-formed. You have to have a well-formed release and deployment process. So it's it's more than just logging incidents, in my opinion. And, and so, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the experience, and actually that's what we're calling this. We're talking about transforming 
user experience really I worked on transforming the way that people actually interact with IT and I and IT support Simon what, what, what's your what's your take on that initial question then I mean what, what does it mean maybe at, at, at the next level down what, 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 I, I, what I, sort I, of I, things can this mean I think to me it means anything you need it to mean and I, I know that's a bit open-ended and a little vague but what I mean by that it's a means of an IT organization servicing its business users and its in inverted commas customers but I prefer the term business users or business partners if an organization just wants to log tickets in inverted commas then that's the appropriate use or it can go way down the other end of the scale for full interaction customer experience you know multiple portals serving multiple different facets of the IT organization and even beyond that any other service component in the organization so from customer surveys through to complaints management through to I want to request something yeah I mean so, so you, you're saying it's, it's, it's a wide spectrum isn't it exactly yeah it is a huge wide spectrum I suppose we see self-service and, and you know the, the sort of traditional stuff as being the way into it is, is that fair I mean Eddie what's what's your I mean what, what practically what aspects of this have you practically seen or implemented in your in your organization that, uh, that support what we've said there to kick off? Well, to me, self-service is not dealing with a human being. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I walk into a bank. I can do everything online or through an ATM machine. The last time I flew, I, never, I haven't spoken to a travel agency in 20 years. To me, that is the ultimate self-service experience. In IT and in or, or our organization as a practitioner, I don't see that. And, and I don't know if it's because the customers are not educated enough, but, but for us and in our organization right now, we're not doing a lot of self-service. And, and, and it's just so much overhead and, and so much emails going back and forth. And it makes our jobs more difficult. But I'm also I'm noticing that the experience from the customer or to the customer, it, it's not there. And I can hear the feedback and, and we need to get better. Do you think there's a real disconnect between, you know, the kind of, domestic experience and what people do get or, or are willing to put up with in, in their work environment is I mean is that the same is that what you're seeing at, at, uh, at your your workplace you mean more like on the personal end for my everyday life that I can do a lot of self-service where when I'm going into the office I'm not seeing it is that what you mean yeah I mean why, why, why are people why why are we content or are we content to on the one hand you know buy our own stuff and, and have that as a good experience but it's interesting that you say are we are we content I look at myself as a customer all the time with my mm -hmm. IT organization and I'm not happy uh, so uh, I think the demand is higher and, and we need to get there and the demand for self-service is not only IT related there's a lot of other organizations within at least my environment whether it's HR whether it's facilities that needs to have more self-service the onboarding process Right now, it's a lot of manual, manual work, and, I, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of organizations that are very mature and, and, and do a lot of this self-service. Where I'm at and the organizations that I've been at and the people that I talk to, we're, we're not there yet. And, and as a customer or an end user, I think we're demanding that because we're seeing it in our own personal lives. Sure. I mean, that, that, that is very much a driver for many switch-on IT organizations, I think. One of the things that I find is, is a real challenge, and then just to sort of follow on from that point, is is this idea that we live in this kind of split personality world, this sort of two-speed world, where on the one hand, 
we see all the new cool shiny stuff that's out there and we use that in our domestic lives but also businesses are you know our businesses are driving us to do this and yet we have this experience that Eddie's just mentioned which is that actually in the workplace we're still trying to get around the basics and do all the kind of you know the the, the solid stuff the good ITSM stuff well and, and I, I suppose I mean the question back to you Doug I mean is, is 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 this one of the benefits that this transformed experience the self-service or whatever we want to call it can help to do by helping IT organizations to sort through their workload. Yeah, I, I think it represents a golden opportunity. You know, I, I, I have to agree with, you know, Simon's comment when he said, you know, self-service is whatever you want it to be. So, you know, I think the first problem to solve is, is to set that expectation, define what it is that we as ITSM or IT service providers want to provide in the form of self-service. And then how can we fulfill that promise? You know, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of just you know, noise around what self-service is and is not. You know, in my personal experience, I have to agree with Eddie. You know, I, I tend to try to find a solution for myself before I uh, interact. And when I do interact, I'm expecting a certain level of value from that interaction. So the more that I can enable, you know, if, if I look at it from an ITSM perspective, the more that I can enable the end user of the service, to be self-sufficient within the parameters that I, you know, define, and you know, I think this represents a great opportunity for the IT organization. So, I mean, have we seen this, Simon? Have we seen organizations that have? I mean, we're talking about transforming the user experience. Have they been able to transform themselves as as a result of this in terms of their capability and, I suppose, the quality of what they do, the perception of. How, how successful they are. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of success with organizations that, you know, take the approach of saying, hey, we're going to roll out our self-service portal or we're going to do a, a, a new release of the portal or having implemented a, a, a new service management tool set. I've, you know, I've seen a plenty of experience of that and and it's been very successful. But I think the, the key things behind this, and I think this is spoken by, by Doug and Eddie, there is, is that you have to have behind the scenes the processes absolutely nailed and watertight. Because I've always said this for, I don't know how many years I've been saying this to different customers, is that you've got to think of your self-service portal or, or your self-service experience as your IT shop window. So you don't want to, or your store window for, for our friends over the pond. You know, you can't, you can't, put things out there and say hey you can do this and you can do that and click here and you'll get this experience and if if they don't get that experience you can't fulfill that promise that you're putting into that store slash shop window albeit electronically you're heading for a disaster so it, it, it also offers, because of that though, it also offers a great forum for demonstrating continual service improvement because you can start small, you can start in baby steps, um, and then add more and more service functionality, user experience to your self-service initiative. But I think one of the key things here, and something we should probably touch on, but is actually the user experience. What is what does it look like? Feel like it, the design, the design of the portal. Let's talk about self-service portals first for a moment. But the design and what it looks like and how it behaves 
that absolutely has to be in line with the same type of experience that I get on, on the domestic side of things, where I can interact and it everything's works, whether it's on my phone or whether it's on my tablet or whether it's on my PC. That's, that's an expectation. That's my expectation of any self-help, self-service type of interaction, be it banking, be it retail, be it you name it. That's my expectation and that's what I work with. So IT has this challenge of going, oh, we have to come up to that same level of user experience. So not only have we got to get our processes right, not only have we got to deal with our shop window, we've got to make it look beautiful. I mean, I think that is, that's a great point. And I mean, again, I, I do tend to see this where, you know, on the one, one day I may be looking at a vendor's product or, or looking at an implementation and then talking to somebody the next day who says, yeah, we've, yeah, we've got a portal, uh, we've got a user portal and it's some horrible green screen menu driven, you know, it, it just looks terrible and or, and exactly. you, might, you might say, well, so what if it works? Well, yeah, the, the, but the point is if we want to actually engage, we've got to, we've got to have something that, that matches, that, that really makes people want to, to use it. Correct. I was talking to an organization recently where one of their customers dis described them as being Kafka-esque, you know, the, the, the <laughs> IT department, <laughs> in the sense that they were, you know, untouchable, you know, dislocated, uh, you know, you, you, couldn't, you didn't feel that you were engaging with with real people. So, I mean, yeah, I, th I think we, we're clear that we need to have, we need to make this work. It needs to be effective and it needs to look good and, and we need to understand the, the experience. Can we move on then to sort of some sort of idea or practical examples of, of what sorts of things um, we might be doing? I mean, we've talked about logging in tickets and, and requests, that's fairly straightforward. There's lots of automation around passwords, but I mean, the, the really interesting area I think is, is, is as we go beyond the IT organization or, or the, the sorts of things that we might be able to do that transcend just internal IT processes. But I mean, Doug, well, what, what, what other things are you seeing that are being presented in this way that, that really look or, or have been really effective and, and uh, useful for from the customer point of view. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I one of the things that strikes me and 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 as after after I was asked to you know participate on the podcast, it, it, it's interesting to me how the industry has kind of moved, you know, in a way full circle. I, I re, when I first got into it, you know, there a lot of work around the service management space was around ticketing systems and and we looked at things like customer relationship management systems and and facilities management systems to help us enter tickets and track tickets. And and I find it interesting now is what I'm seeing is just the reverse now where the ITSM tools are being used to help manage the workflow within the facilities organizations or help manage some of the workflow and, and, and requests that come into maybe the HR organizations. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's, it's surprised the IT organizations that there is that demand outside of the IT organization to do the same kinds of things that we're doing from you know, a customer perspective from within the IT organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eddie, in, in, in the higher education universe environment is such a diverse um, type of organization, you know, with the student population, the academics, the administration, and so on. What sort of opportunities do you think there would be in that environment to really, you know, switch on 
that transformed experience and, and what kind of functions do you think would, would really benefit from being automated in this way? Uh, yeah, we have such a diverse population, like you said, students, doctors, faculty members. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you talk about BYOB, the colleges and universities have been doing that for years because the students mm -hmm. bring it in. But some of the things that we're doing at our universities, the, the software downloads, before you'd have to come to an office and pick it up the disks and all that. And now it's like anything, like the app, they can download it themselves. So the students and, and anybody can do that. The other self-service things, what I'm afraid of is that like the demand, like Simon and Doug were saying, the demand is there and as IT, can we keep up with it? And, and the thing is the, the organization or the, our employee count is not growing as fast as the needs. The demands are there. Other organizations are asking us, hey, can we use your incident management system to track our tasks? Uh, we're doing some project management. Can we use your, your tools? And what I'm afraid of is if we can't keep up with that demand, they're going to go outside of IT. And, and, and that's what you don't want. So I'm starting to see that. And, and the thing is, at least I think in our organizations, we're going to need to partner with some of these cloud services and other organizations to roll out the needs and wants for our end user because we're just not keeping up with them. Wow. So, I mean, that's actually turning it around the other way where in the past, you know, we, we've heard that other departments would would just go outside anyway, but actually because you, you have this capability, they're coming to you and it's about a supply and demand, demand issue. I mean, it, Simon, have you have you seen organizations tackling that or, or sort of struggling to cope with that? And I mean, how would they, how would they approach or, or mitigate against that sort of thing? I think that there does come a, a level of capability in the tools supplied by the vendors themselves so because if you if you have a tool that you know warrants a lot of let's call it programming effort to get to a point where you can provide the necessary services then that's going to put an increased demand on on you know the scarce resources that are in IT that are actually you know providing other functions you know development functions for other line of business needs however here are other line of business needs so it's just kind of like okay what's that balance but my point is is that if the tools and an awful lot of them these days thank goodness the term is codeless that's banded around the industry you know hey this is all codeless configuration and it's a drag and drop kind of what you see is what you get style of of, of design now that's that's excellent because that does fast track and streamline the whole process for um for producing results and producing these right outcomes so that does that does really help an organization so i think that's that's an important factor when looking at tools is how codeless really is codeless and i think that's very very important and that that does help mitigate that problem but i i certainly hear the problem i i, I can certainly understand that that issue so we, we have a couple of issues emerging there in terms of the tools need to be able to recreate the you know the classic retail or or, or domestic user experience and, and, and look good and, and feel good have a have a good interface but also what we're seeing is that the ability to develop or tailor these tools, uh, if that is simple and, and non-technical, that can also help the IT organization to implement more quickly and, and perhaps meet the demand as as it grows. Uh, 
Is that a fair comment, Doug? Does that sound like a reasonable comment to you? I, I agree. I, I think in order to enable that kind of an experience and, and move quickly, you know, it just brings it back again to me, you know, that the the need to really sit down and design your processes end to end and and by doing that you can identify where things can improve you you, you have metrics by which you can identify where those improvements need to be and by having it already defined you become much more nimble I, I I like to tell folks that in order to become fast you, you have to slow down in order to speed up so I I think that's spot on slow down and define what it is that you need to do how you need to do it get I that first that. Uh, and then continually improve yeah the, the thing there I suppose is is just making that seem that it's not that it's not in itself a long process so that you know actually what you're saying is that defining processes because it's easy and, and as I know from a number of the tools is, is actually quite graphical and drive, drive and drop and so on it, that in itself doesn't become an onerous another old IT sort of waterfall type process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you know our newer generation of service management tools really facilitates that. Doesn't excuse us from doing our, our homework with respect to process design, but but certainly uh, you know the days of, of waterfalling process design and taking months. You know, I, I've never been a big believer in that. You know, if a process design sits on your desk for more than six months, that's six months of wasted opportunity. So it, it, it's. I, I think our new generation of service management tools certainly help us move much more quickly, but it still doesn't excuse us from doing. You know, the the heavy lifting of the process design. No, and we have to. And I, I suppose more of them are are providing kind of canned versions of standard processes. I mean, I, I mean, I have seen you know lots of examples where you know there's some very specific processes for specific industries have been designed but, but as you say each or, each organization has to, to modify it to their own needs I mean so far I guess what we're saying is, is, is this is all very positive I mean I, I think Eddie did raise a good point about you know the, the challenge of, of demand and um, if, if this is successful what other things do we think might get in the way of this I mean let's talk about how we make this successful what sort of things have we seen that, that slow it down or stop it or just downright block it in, it in its path and and I suppose uh, Doug you made the point earlier on actually about you know we could have done this some time ago why haven't we done it before is it just the tools that, that have made the difference because they're easier or are there other organizational things Eddie let, let, let's hear what you think about that what what other things could could get in the way or have you seen that get in the way of doing this well I, I think it's like that term you so you have a lot of your staff and organization keeping the lights on mm. and you, you gotta you gotta be more strategic and find other people within your organization to help you move forward and sometimes I mean sometimes it's the talent I hate to say that and then sometimes it's like uh, we need to learn to, to reach out and partner with other organizations or or consultants like like Doug or Simon to come in and help especially if we're struggling with uh, the rapid change I mean and I don't have a lot of experience in this end but but that's the way that I view it other consultants are available by the way just, just to see <laughs> Um, I'd yeah, like to absolutely. speak uh, the, the, the comment from Eddie. That the leader perfect. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, there, there is this question, Simon, about, you know, new skills in IT and, and things that we need to be better at doing. I mean, what, what, what have you seen in, in, the, in the sense that to make this successful? Why, you know, what's, what's stopped it working in your experience? Well, let's pick that question apart just a little bit. What new skills without any shadow of a doubt, business relationship management. Yes. 
that is an absolute top of the tree for me the skill that's missing within the IT organization, not all IT organizations, there are many IT organizations that have nailed this and have therefore seen amazing success and value from their from their business as usual operations as well as their business transformation operations. Because I think today in most organizations, that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but I'll go with it. Most organizations see value in their business transformation IT organization. Because hey, they transform the business. They help them with their new projects and their new developments and their new this and their new that and their new the other. So, so they see value. Where they don't see value is the business as usual stuff, the typical IT service management arena, where there is tremendous value that takes place, but the, it's, it's just not, that value is not articulated, be it verbally, be it via metrics, be it via self-service portals, but most importantly, I think from a skill point of view, be it via a good relationship between the IT organization and the rest of the business. And I, you, you know, may have noticed earlier, I said I switched from using the term customer to using the term business partner. And I think part of the problem has been language that we've used in IT and IT service management because we refer to the customer. Well, actually in, an, in, a, in a business, that, no, it's not a customer. To, to me, it's not anyway. It's a business partner. You're my colleague. You're my buddy. You're my, you know, we, we work together to provide business innovation and, 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 and provide wonderful customer experiences to the business customers. IT are here to help facilitate that and help drive that forward. To get back to my point, business relationship management, I think, is a key skill that is missing and is growing very, very fast. I mean, that one has come full circle as well. I mean, and, and I just, because I have heard more and more of this um, challenging and criticism, if you like, of using the term customer, where you're talking about internal, you know, yeah. colleagues. The, the other side of it that I would want to put, and, you know, we, we may just mention this, but it's bad work, but certainly going back 10, 15, 20 years uh, or, or, or beyond, uh, people in IT called what we call customers or users now, other things that we probably can't mention uh, on the show. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I saw, and certainly I, I know from the HDI, SDI world, um, where actually we, we, we work quite hard to get the, the concept of customer. I think it's more about the idea of a customer than, than the reality of, you know, somebody who actually pays for a service. But it was a mindset thing that we used the word customer yeah. Whereas I know I, I agree that actually partner is important. But I mean, you know, I think we've always had that challenge to get across to people working in IT that, you know, that they work for the same company. They're not some aliens that, you know, that, that they have to talk to every so often. I, Doug, I mean, what's your view on, on things like, you know, what other skills we, we might need to, to help us in this sort of transforming the. Because we were talking as wider than just self service, we were talking about transforming. The relationship certainly but also just transforming that whole business of what it's like to work with technology uh, yeah and it strikes me that you know if we're going to transform the user experience many IT organizations have to transform themselves so yeah. you know back to Simon's point you know customer relationship management or business relationship management is is now a critical 
uh, it's no longer a nice to have, it's a critical must have kind of skill. And, and um, I think I saw a recent tweet and I'm trying to remember who it was, but it, it, it talked about the soft skills are really the hard skills that, that, that we need to become master. It was you. Oh, okay. And, 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 and we really need to master those, those, those soft skills, you know, being able to, to articulate and talk in business terms and, and present in, in, in ways that it makes sense to our business partners. I, I like that term. Uh, and, and so I think to transform the user experience, it first starts with transforming the IT um, experience, if you will. So it's very much physician heal thyself. Kind of. In order to, to achieve value for our, for our let's call them customers, uh, we have to look into our own, our own selves and our own souls first. I, I mean, Eddie, what, what, what do you think? I mean, do you have business relationship management or student relationship management or whatever you want to call it in your organization? Does, what, what, what does that look like? What do, what do you think it should look like? Both Doug and Simon said some really good things that started get, to get me thinking. And you're right, I'm always calling them users or customers. And, and business partner is the way to go. And I, and I got to start using that term. So I'm going to give you credit for that one, Simon. Okay, good. That is, I'm really pleased that you took it up, Eddie. I mean, it's, I, I think it's a, it's a, it is the way to go. Thank you. But you know what I what I think is interesting is that in, in our organization, we're trying to bring all these – in higher ed, what happens is it's a lot of siloed organizations. Mm -hmm. So the school of law or the bigger schools or departments or divisions have their own IT organization. And what happens is we're trying to bring it all into a centralized IT shop to take advantage of the economies of scales. But what I see that's, that's missing – and when these transitions happen is that there needs to be someone that stays behind that is that interface between that organization and IT. And that's where you start, where I think you're going to see the biggest value for transforming the user experience, that one person that can talk shop on the IT side. They don't have to be technical because I'm not technical anymore, but be able to talk to the end user and understand their requirements and communicate them back to IT. So from my experience, how am I doing that at the university? Uh, it's a lot of education, believe it or not. I'm talking to them and, and, and sharing with them what we're doing and why we're doing it, but at the end of the day, I'm telling them what's in it for them. And if you don't educate them, then you're going to lose them and, and, and the reputation that you're going to have and the experience that they're, they're getting from you is not going to be there. It may be good and but the part where I think you take it over the edge and you start moving even forward is, like Simon says, partnering with them, educating them, letting them know why you're doing this for them. So, I mean, relationship, I've always found, I mean, certainly in the early days, there was, you know, all sorts of moves to have, I think we call them account managers, uh, and we've had various terms. What makes a good uh, relationship manager, Doug? I mean, there's always been this challenge with the, the, the nature of, People that worked in IT who've been given that role. I think Eddie's been really clear there on some of the requirements. But you know, if, if, if you've come from either the ops or the dev side, you've obviously got that kind of bias. I mean, how, how do we how do we get people into this kind of role now, and what kind of skills do they need to really make it work? Yeah, I, I, and I like to call it become the expert on the uh, of the company or the business of the business. 
Yeah, because at the end of the day, and I don't mean this as, as a, a derogatory remark, but, but you know, the, the business can make an IT decision at any time, and IT can come from anywhere. And I think in order for us to, to transcend that gap, we have to become experts of the business of the business and really dive into the business because it's not us and them. We've got to get that vernacular out of our language. We, we've got to start talking about in terms of we. And what is it that we need to do? And then we have to go out and reach out to the business partner or the end user or the customer. You know, like Eddie said, we have to talk about what's in it for them, but we have to talk about it in terms that they understand. They're not going to understand the IT terms. That's our job. Our job is to translate their business needs and business requirement into IT things and be able to present them back into terms that the business understands. I think that's critical. Simon, we've, we've moved on from talking about purely about self-service and, and, you know, the tooling side, but, you know, I think it's necessary to mention that, but we've gone into some more strategic things. I mean, are there other areas that you've seen where that where tools can add value to the relationship management function? Yes, I have. I think the key thing, though, it is add value to the relationship management function, as you just, just correctly described. You know, using tools and technology supports that. But I've seen some very successful things. Um, just to give a couple of examples, when you have that good relationship in place, you can start to use self-service portal as a means of understanding a better understanding of people's of, of the individual roles within an organization and how goals within the various business departments are defined and that can be at a role level and an individual level preferences that's a nice thing that can help drive not only the relationship but the customer experience but you're driving the capturing of those preferences through self-service so you know, you go to a self-service portal, click on the preferences link, and it says, okay, well, what's your, what's your preferred greeting? You know, what's your preferred contact method? What update frequency, are, uh, you know, is suitable for you on when we handle your, your faults? Not necessarily incidents, don't necessarily call them incidents. You know, there are certain things that you can capture, hold in your IT service management tool against the customer profile, and then that can be augmented into the various processes so whether it's the incident management process or the request fulfillment or the change management and in terms of notifications and things like this complaints handling you know being very open for complaints and feedback and suggestions i think when you have that open healthy relationship because that's what we're really after in IT is to, or any services organization, is to have a healthy relationship with your customer, I'll use the term customer, your business partner, to have that healthy relationship. And you use the portal and you use the, tech, the technology to support that relationship. So I've seen so a lot what, of success. So that's where it's come on from, from the, the dodgy menu-driven green screen, you know, which functionally might actually do some of the similar, you know, and I've had people argue with me and say, yeah, but it does this, it does that. But what we're seeing is that the interface and the, I suppose, the, the personal personalization of it and visibility and transparency, which probably is more around the kind of social interface of it, really makes the difference for the relationship. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think so. It's, it's that ability to enhance the relationship by capturing certain data that you can use on the automation side of your of your process, so emails that go out. Well, what if a customer doesn't want to have emails? Yeah. Well, give them an option that says, 
I want to check out of emails, thanks. You know, don't bombard me with spam. I'm only interested in the final update, whatever. Or if I log an incident, don't notify me, notify somebody else, then delegate. Those sorts of things that sure. you can you can drive those experiences through through the portal. The portal mechanism is a way of communicating that. So I mean just just sort of wrapping up here, guys, maybe just ask all three of you to give me a sort of final view on where you think this is all going. I mean, Eddie, just from a practical point of view, what what's your what's your practical plan on this for the next year or so, what, what things are you hoping to do that, that will help to transform your user experience? There's this saying that they say, build it, they will come. And that's that's not true. And I think back to what I said earlier is what's in it for them? Educate them, transform that experience by partnering with them and educating them. Those are the big things you need to get out there. You can't stay behind your desk and you got to partner with those other organizations to see where they're going, understand what their needs are and find a way to use technology to help them achieve that success. Excellent stuff. Doug, what, what, how would you sort of summarize the, the way forward in this? What, what else do organizations really need to do to make this work? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, I, I think we can't lose sight of that end user experience. We're, we're dealing with multiple generations of the workforce. We have, you know, from the new millennials up to the Gen Xs to the, the baby boomers. And this is kind of a unique time in our industry. So we have to make it uh, easy to use across all of those generational aspects. We have to have very strong processes behind it. And you know, and, and while I do agree with Eddie, you know, you, you just can't build and expect them to come. It does have to be inviting. You know, it has to you know welcome the user to come in, make it personal for them, and and give them a good experience so they want to come back. Absolutely, Simon. From your perspective, you know a lot about the technology. Um, what what sort of things do you think might be coming up that we probably haven't thought about before in this area that that, that could be interesting or helpful? Oh, goodness me. That's a difficult question. I think there will be or should be a lot more engagement with mobile. And so self-service, the self-service paradigm moving to mobile far at a far greater pace than it has done to date. I'm surprised that it's not there already. In some vendors, I think it is, but in others, it's not. And it seems to be taking an inordinate amount of time. I think that's that's an inevitability. And I think there's also needs to be, and I'll be interested in watching the, the just the various spaces around this, the technology spaces, which is around technology that really helps define the customer experience and allows you to capture that customer experience and the customer journey and what that means. You know, it's obviously, obviously used today in a more retail banking finance, you know, kind of kind of arena, but start to see that filtering through into internal service providers like IT. Shouldn't that be the business partner experience or business partner journey? It, well, exactly. Well, I think it will be used by the business partner. But there's lots of techniques there that are in retail and you know the leisure industry that are that do take that experience very seriously. And, and um, I think we're still playing catch up in IT in that one, really, aren't we? Oh, very much so. Very yeah, much. I so. agree. Okay. Well, very interesting conversation. Um, thank you all very much. Um, thank you, Eddie. And great to talk to you. And good luck with your initiatives in, in the university over the next year maybe speak to you sometime soon absolutely thanks for having me on the podcast uh, our, our pleasure and Doug nice to talk to you again hope to see you in some bars somewhere soon we can, uh... I, I'm sure we'll cross paths it's a pleasure
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never go to bars other than the conference, of course. Not me either. Um, yeah. Great to talk to you. Thanks for your uh, input and experience. Um, Simon, thank you too, and um, good luck with your your stuff, whatever whatever it is you're doing. Um, thank you, Barclay. Appreciate it. No doubt, I, I will run into you in, in due course. I, I think what we've co we've covered quite a lot of grounds. You know, just explicitly starting at talking about self service, but you know that that it is more strategic. That the tools can help and that it is all about the experience of, of, of engaging with us in IT.